Billy, do you think this is like our first band? Yeah, like like if we started a band with synthesizers and an oboe or something. Uh, or if we started a band with no instruments where we just talk about stuff. Welcome to Taxi Taxi. My name is Vlada Gravich. So today we're going to take you to the place where humanity began. Well, not quite began. Well, they weren't exactly humans. They were hominids. But I, I promise this won't be an archaeology lesson. You're not pointing the mic at my mouth. Oh, I didn't. Hear, I thought you were just interrupting me to stop. stop. No, I was trying to read your script, Vladek. Oh my god. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, you did that much better. So, uh, I don't know if this is actually working. Was this how loud it was before? This is me talking. Yes. Billy, so, okay, so I found my notes about this. Um, Taxi Taxi, the podcast that drives too fast. And then we're supposed to say, we take you somewhere. And then edit, edit, edit. So where are we going? Then you hear a car sound, and we go to Dominici. Okay, make the sound of a taxi. There are so many sounds in a taxi. Honk, honk, I don't know. That was more Let's take it from the top. Welcome to a new podcast about the South Caucasus. We're here to tell different stories from this region in new ways and in English, because that's the new language that cuts across borders, even though that's very recent. And before that, well, that's complicated. But then again, a lot of things in the Caucasus are complicated. So, every episode's going to be different, and we're going to do our best to experiment with what a podcast can do that an article might not be able to. We're going to assume that you know nothing about the region and try to keep it interesting if you do. For example, that's Flora Karimova, one of the many, many talents from Baku's jazz scene in the 1970s. In fact, all the music in this episode is from the South Caucasus. Except for that weird theremin in the beginning. That's a remix from a Latvian musician. I just really like that. And next up, we've got a funky film score from an Azeri composer and current ambassador to Russia, Polad Bulbuloglu. Before we really get started, I'd like to describe the lay of the land. The South Caucasus contains three countries, some disputed territories, about 20 million people, and something like 50 ethnic groups as well as mountains and deserts, forests, glaciers, there's even mud volcanoes. And it's all stuffed together between the Caspian Sea and the Black Sea in an area smaller than the state of Arizona. It's basically a small land link which connects Russia, Turkey, and Iran. And connects is a nice word, because these are very friendly neighbors. So friendly that, to borrow a Polish joke, they like to visit each other all the time. (laughs) 
This is the beginning of our season, so what better place to begin than with the beginning of humanity? If you drive two hours south of Tbilisi, which is the capital of Georgia and the headquarters of our podcast, you'll come to a remote and hilly place called Dmanisi, where archaeologists have found the oldest human remains outside of Africa. They found a lot here, actually. The place has been a gold mine, and there's actually a gold mine nearby from about 3000 BC. But the most unique fossils are four skulls that date back 1.8 million years. The findings changed how scientists viewed the whole course of human evolution, or at least the way we spread around the globe. And many Georgians were happy to confirm something they suspected all along, that this land really was uniquely ancient. Of course, those skulls weren't even human, they were just an early ancestor, but history matters a lot here, whether or not it's accurate or relevant. Here's one thing I think is very interesting. America is 10 times older than every country here. I I really, I want to know where you're going to go with this. Just think about it. America started in, what, 1776, and uh, Georgia, Armenia, Azerbaijan is 1990. You know, 10 times older. Yeah, I mean, that's if you're talking about, you know, the collapse of the Soviet Union and them as a government entity. And the Georgians, they always trace their roots back to Medea and Jason and the Argonauts. And Prometheus was supposed to be chained to Mount Kosbegi. If you want to be controversial, the way to do that is to tell people from the Caucasus that their countries are 30 years old. Okay. I I don't actually believe that, obviously. Like, Armenians have these tombstones that are completely ancient. Azerbaijan is the land of fire, like, with Zoroastrians. Right. There's a special place in Georgia where they found the oldest human remains outside of Africa. So the, the narrative in Georgia is that it's the cradle of civilization. I think we should go to Dmanisi. I've been a couple times. It's pretty. It's on a mountaintop, so, okay. Do you want to go? Yeah, okay, you can do that. (laughs) All right, so now we're recording. Uh, It's a beautiful morning here in Tbilisi, and we're going to go see some old fossils. All right. Where are we going? Dmanisi? Dmanisi. Dmanisi. It's like a D and an M together, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get on in here. Hey, this is Vladik here. I just want to jump in. We're going to do that a lot. And I'm going to let you know, we don't actually see very much at Dmanisi. I don't think I'm giving anything away to tell you that. So we asked a linguist to help us introduce the region. We'll switch back and forth between him and our ill-fated journey. What's your favorite Georgian word? Um, probably, I kind of like Bertzkinvale, uh, which is brilliant. Yeah, um, there are words with longer consonant clusters. So for example, Kupurtskunis, uh, which means he is fleecing us, has eight consonants in a row. They have a lot of sounds that are unlike uh, Western sounds. So for example, uh, the sound ka, right? Um, there's the Georgian tongue twister, right? Which means the frog is croaking in the water. My name is Thomas Weir. I do research on language documentation and linguistic theory. I did my uh, dissertation at the University of Chicago, where I was interested in uh, the languages of the Caucasus, and I did my dissertation on Georgian morphosyntax. All right, we're actually going down a gigantic escalator. Take you on a little tour of Tbilisi while we're at it, the Tbilisi Metro. 
I mean, I hate escalators. I actually have a weird fear of escalators. I love the escalator because you can make and sustain eye contact with whoever you want and people do it right back. And you're going such different ways that like everyone knows, like ships in the night, you know? Okay, let me okay, let me pick one to flirt with. Not that one though. Um, how about how about this apathetic guy? He didn't even notice me. <laughs> he was on the phone, okay. Okay, I got that one. Oh, I got one. That was good. <laughs> that was actually kind of fun. So before I let Thomas explain how many languages there are in the Caucasus, I wanted to tell a little story that I heard in Hinalik, which is a tiny village several hours into the mountains. In Hinalik, they speak another language. It's their own language. In another village nearby, they also have their own language. And here's the story why. In the beginning of time, God was flying around, getting the world ready to begin. He had a big bag full of languages. You can picture Santa Claus or something. And he's making his way throughout Europe, dropping French onto the French, German onto the Germans, and so on. But when he gets to the Caucasus, his bag gets caught on the craggy peaks of the mountain range until it rips. And then all these languages fall right out of the hole. It's like the Tower of Babel coming down in snowflakes. Caucasus has actually been known for literally thousands of years as a, uh, as a region of in, intense linguistic diversity, even back in like ancient Greek days. Medieval Arab geographers called the Caucasus uh, the mountain of languages. I mean, you can really go back super far because the oldest evidence of hominids outside of Africa actually is in Georgia, right? It's Manisi, right? So it depends on what you want to call a human culture. Uh, hold on, I got to interrupt you because this whole episode is about us going to uh, Dmanisi? How, how do you say? Yeah, Tmanisi. So, uh, so, so talk about that but by all means. Like, yeah. what, what, do you, what do you think about it? <laughs> well, okay, so the importance of Tmanisi is that it's really the first place outside of uh, outside of. Africa that shows that humans were were moving into new environments that challenged them, but uh, but Tmanisi is also a really good uh, example of many layers of history because in much more recent times, not 1.77 million years ago, but much more recently, um, they found evidence of Paleolithic and uh, Chalcolithic uh, grave sites there. They also have Christian sites from the, the first millennium, and then of course later the it was a uh, the capital of a sultanate, right? And so Tamanisi is, is a sultanate being like the capital of a an Islamic emirate, a, a, an Islamic kingdom. So Tamanisi is in miniature uh, a, a repository of so much of human diversity. <laughs> What is that? So, I think right now I'm probably the most attractive woman here. I'm, um, it's not even noon. I'm drinking a beer and eating a cold potato pie with no napkin. 
It is actually, I have to say, in a, in a country full of appetizing pies, this is one of the least appetizing ones I have seen. It, it really it looks old. And have you had the potato kinkali? Mm -hmm. I don't like those at all. Have you had the potato and cheese kinkali though? No, but I heard those are good. Big step up, because you get the juice. Yeah. It took us a little while, but eventually we found a marshutka, that's a minibus, to take us to Dominici. And once we arrived, we were starving. Unfortunately, the restaurant had a really loud refrigerator, so bear with us for a second. Maybe you can describe a little bit about our, our humble lunch. We've got some pretty awesome looking, um, the Georgian word is mitzvati. It's a pork barbecue. They marinate it in um, spices and wine and pomegranate juice and then grill it and serve it with raw onions. Probably one of my favorite foods in the Caucasus. With some of the best mitzvati we've ever had in our stomachs, we were ready to find Dimnisi. The only problem was we couldn't really find it. So we started looking around for some people to ask and came upon the local police, who were kind enough to humor us for a little while. So you're the you're the chief of police in this area? Yes. Not the not the top. So so what is your what is your job? Like what do you do? We keep order and we fight against disorder. Do you know any interesting people in Dominici or anywhere around here? Sixteen kilometers up that way is the municipal building. They'll tell you who the interesting people are. So it's closed. At that point, we encountered the first obstacle. The fossils were gone, temporarily. They had been moved somewhere else. But to quote Alexander Pope's essay on man, something I should really just memorize for days like this, um, hope springs eternal in the human breast. Man never is, but always to be blessed. So yeah, no fossils, but we're still looking. In the meantime, here's Thomas Weir. So the number of languages today kind of depends on how you count a language. And obviously, you know, there's the old saw that a language is a dialect with an army and, and a navy. So by that standard, there aren't actually that many languages, but that's not a, a definition that we linguists actually use, right? Um, there are three main families. I would say somewhere on the order of 70 languages. So those would be the Abkhaz Adigre family or Northwest Caucasian. Then there are the Nakhdagestanian languages, and those are languages like Chechen, like English, like Avar, like Hunzib and uh, Lesgian and so forth and so forth. Um, and then, of course, there's the South Caucasian language family, a.k.a. Kartvelian. The biggest language in that uh, family is Georgian. And there are only a small number of languages in that family. Um, so just Georgian, Mingrelian, Swan, and uh, Laz today. So that's basically like the big picture of the linguistic diversity. You know, there is this issue about do you count Armenian as a Caucasian language? Because Armenian, for example, is an Indo-European language. It's demonstrably related to other Indo-European languages. But Armenian has been spoken here for about at, at least 2,500 years, if not longer, right? They think that probably the Armenians uh, came from originally from the Balkans before the end of the Bronze Age. They moved uh, eastward into Anatolia sometime after the end of the Bronze Age. So, uh, so do you count that as a Caucasian language? 
Um, and then, of course, there are languages like, you know, the Turkic languages, which arrived even more recently, um, like Azeri, like some of the uh, Mongolic languages in the North Caucasus. So it's really easy to see how, like, there are these multiple layers of diversity that some of them go very, very deep and some of them are much more recent. So, um, Vladek, why don't you tell me what's happening right now? Sure. We just got a ride on the way up to where the monastery is. I, I think that it's the opposite. I think this is the archaeological site, and if we go that way, that's the monastery. Wait. I think we can, uh... Well, I mean, fortunately, we, we basically have only one choice because, you know, we've, we've hit a pretty big iron gate here. It's beautiful. It's a green iron gate uh, with a stone on it, but there's a lock. And we've been debating whether it's pretty easy to climb, but I don't know. It's such a nice day. I don't really want to ruin it yet. Vladek has less experience with um, Georgian Ovtarka dogs than I do. I don't, I don't climb any fences in Georgia. You don't know my journey, <laughs> but <laughs> I've had a lot of dog issues in Georgia. That said, I feel like if there were dogs, they'd know about us by now. They hang out with the, with the guards. They're pretty big, though. Should we get some sound? It's the last thing you'll ever hear in Georgia. And, and this is the, the end of Taxi Taxi? Fortunately, I was wrong, and that was not the end of Taxi Taxi. So while Vladek and I try to figure out what we're doing up at Dimenisi, Let's have Tom explain a little bit more about languages and why there's such a critical issue in this region. So here's a really interesting example of why the language that you speak is not the same thing as who you are. A friend of mine was doing a, a research on attitudes towards Mingrelian accents. And as he was doing these interviews, a professor from the same university burst into the room and uh, basically said, you can't do this. Mingrelian is not a language. It's a dialect. Therefore, they have no accent as a language and, you know, this kind of thing. So basically, he was the, this other guy was trying to undermine my friend's project based solely on this ideology he had about what is a language and what is a dialect. So in Georgia, you have these different regions, right? You have Samagrelo, where the Mingrelians live, uh, Abkhazia, where formerly both Abkhaz and Mingrelians lived. You have the Laz, who are mostly in Turkey, but also in Georgia. You have the Swans, who live up in Swaneti. And of course, most of the rest of the country is populated by Georgians. And so all these different regions speak their own different languages, right? So for example, the difference between the Mingrelian language and the Georgian language are about as big as the difference between, I don't know, Romanian and Portuguese. But related languages, but really not at all intelligible with each other unless you kind of start picking it apart really carefully. The situation with the Mingrelians is that in Abkhazia there were quite a lot of people who were Kartvelians, whether they were called themselves Georgians or Mangrelians. Many of them spoke Mangrelian. Many of them also spoke Georgian. Some of them only spoke Georgian. And then there are the Abkhaz, right? And um, the Abkhaz were not uh, linguistically, at least, related to, to the Georgians. 
And so in the wake of the ethnic conflict in the, the late 80s and the, the early 90s, most of the Mingrelian speakers were kicked out of, of Abkhazia in waves of ethnic cleansing, basically. Something on the scale of 200,000 to 250,000 people were kicked out. Um, there were many people who died, but many, many, many more who were just forced to leave, right? It was a really awful time. And the the political justification was on the part of the the, the Georgian government for keeping this part of the country was in part because the Mingrelians are a Georgian people, that they are not a separate people, right? They do not have a separate identity as a people, whereas they do have a separate linguistic identity. They speak a different language, right? Um, even though this, this language is not really treated as such by Georgian nationalists. You know, this is an, an example where the linguistic identity and the ethnic identity are at kind of loggerheads with each other because Mingrelians, by and large, almost all identify as ethnic Georgians. They do not identify as ethnic Mingrelians. Now, they might say they are Mingrelian, but that's they, they won't say that that means that they are a different people from the Georgians. But most Mingrelians do identify as speakers of a language. So if you went up to a Mingrelian, um, he would probably say he's a Mingrelian, but he would also probably say he's a Georgian, right? These definitions of who you are were an uh, integral part of the conflict. Do you see where the path goes? No. How do you feel about it? Well, it's going around to like maybe somebody's house or something. But this cliff is pretty. Let's look off the cliff. Maybe it's going toward where the priest lives. The priest lives in the church. It's a monastery. That's a good point. Hope dies eternal. Is that the expression? Yes, but I never quite understood that until you just said it right now. Oh, yeah. Dies eternal, lives, lives forever. Hope never dies. No, I think it's hope dies eternal, but I don't understand. Now I kind of get it. Or do I? I don't know. There is a lot of deer poop. There really is. No, I think it's sheep. I, I'm so sure that sheep poop like cows do. Like, like how how often would a sheep have to poop these little pellets out to get they it out? Poop constantly. They're like cows. They just poop constantly. But they poop little pellets. These pellets are the size of like maybe like almond. Yes, thank you. Almonds. I was gonna say five sesame seeds stuck together. But <laughs> <laughs> and no, because five sesame seeds is pretty small. Sesame seeds are very small. We'll have some photos on the website. <laughs> All right, this is Vladek from the studio. Just want to confirm that Billy was correct. Those were sheep droppings. You can Google this yourself. So we went to Dmanisi to do a story on beginnings, and that was obviously a failure. But sometimes failures make for better stories. That's really what this podcast is all about. Bad decisions, mysterious paths, improvisation. What did you go to Dmanisi for so Vladek and I could argue over random animal droppings on a path that led us to nowhere? We're, we're not very good guides. Maybe we should have gotten a guide. <laughs> well, the guide just told us that it was closed and we didn't believe them. Where are we, Billy? The road. We're on a cliffside looking over a river in the opposite direction of where we originally wanted to go. So we did a great job. 
It's also, it's quite beautiful. And because there's literally nothing here, it's very quiet and very peaceful. Except for us talking. Can you uh, point the micro down there and see if you can hear the sound of the river flowing? Sure. So this is what is beautiful and lovely and peaceful here. the magic of radio we could have just recorded the water running in my shower and said that we were here that's what the guy said who i spoke to last night he's like it's closed so you're not going to see it and actually you're doing a radio show i don't even understand why you have to see it in the first place why don't you just tell people what it looks like and it's online you can find it um and we decided we would come anyway i mean you know it's ethics right if we say we're gonna go if we say we're here we should be here I guess. So we didn't see the skulls, but that's not really the point. You know what I love about the story of Dimonisi? Another skull they found had no teeth and showed signs of having been sick for something like two years. That means someone had to have taken care of them, fed them, kept them alive. Remember, Homo sapiens hadn't even evolved yet. So yeah, Dimonisi taught the world about like migration patterns and skull development, but it also teaches us something about the history of human compassion. And I think that's a fitting introduction to the podcast. Like, look at this piece of shit. Like, you that that's a sheep. Um, I mean, it's well, it's yeah. How they, I will look up pictures on the internet. To show you. It could be blueberries. Oh, let me ask you one last thing. So part of this episode is that not only were we unable to find the bones, the bones had already been moved, but we couldn't even get past the gate. It's one of those typical, like complete disastrous things. I guess I wanted to ask you if you have any sympathy for that. Yeah. Um, Basically, I I feel like Georgia is is a country that's full of adventure, but sometimes it's not the adventure you were looking for. The only thing you can do to remedy that situation is to explore more. You have to go further and, and, and go back to the same places because you won't experience them the same way the second time, even if you do see them twice or 10 times. After we gave up trying to see the dig site at Dmanisi, we walked back, a little bummed, trying to get to some signs of civilization before the sun went all the way down. We hitchhiked and then we got picked up by two ethnic Armenian people who had spent their whole lives in Georgia. They joked with us and were very friendly, and the young man, he just kept pumping up the jams. And then he was giddily pointing out one village after the next as we flew by. Geneti is their village. We're passing their village now. It's all Armenians here. This one is Armenian, he'd say, turning on an Armenian song as we passed a few wooden houses with chickens and children all enjoying the evening. And then, just 10 minutes later, a Georgian village with haystacks that are covered by the smallest of tarps and fields stretching out from the dusty road. Now we got some Georgian music. And because we're in a Georgian village now, it's just right in a row. And then we're, we're right, I mean, 30 seconds later, we're coming up to uh, Aptano, which is the Azerbaijani village, and they're just side by side. So what do you think of Dmanisi, Billy asked them. 
может быть, все Бог делает. Said anything is possible, but God makes everything. God makes everything possible. Я вообще ничего не верю. He said, I don't believe anything. I don't believe in anything. He said, nobody knows what really happened. I mean, are those, those bones, guys, women, are they just bones? Nobody knows. I don't believe any of it. She said, in a little discomfort, she said, well, you know, you could describe it as the place where God was born. Maybe that's how we could describe it, a place where God was born. Well, that's that. And languages fall from bags, and meat tastes best with pomegranate, and three countries, just 25 years old on paper, have bones in the ground that might as well be Adam and Eve. Thanks for listening. This was the first episode of Taxi Taxi. You should subscribe now so you can hear all the stories. Next week it will be a war story from 2008. And if you love, and especially if you never heard of, the Russian band Kino, you're definitely not going to want to miss it. And hey, we have a website, taxitaxipodcast.com. If you want to tell a story, we can make it happen. And we list all the music we use and a bunch of other story notes too. And thank you to the folks at Hindenburg who gave us a license to make this show using their awesome audio suite. I think she like leave cakes, not little pellets. I mean, it's, it must be a shit ton of deer out here. You think these little black pellets are sheep poop? That's a lot of deer, a lot of. There's a lot of poop. Deer travel together. Not when, that many at a time, like four or five at a time. This is actually rabbit poop. There's no way there's this many rabbits out here. I've had a rabbit. This is not rabbit poop. What does rabbit poop look like? Smaller. Alright. <laughs>